Welcome back to Mental Status, a podcast created by psychology students for psychology students. We're your hosts, Yash and Josh. And our aim is to demystify the pathway to becoming a psychologist and share with you what we've learned along the way. In this episode, we're going to be doing kind of a Q&A episode on my Instagram, which is at Mental Status Podcast. We out a poll question box, whatever, and we got some really great questions um, and we plan to do more episodes like this every once in a while to just filter any questions that come through, yeah, filter, yeah. field any questions that come through. <laughs> get, yeah. get rid of the ones yeah. that are like. <laughs> um, so if you do have a specific question that you want answered, that is probably the best way to yeah, send it through. I was going to say, because you get so many questions in your DMs that I think this is a better way for us to... Um, I think so. And yeah, I just, I'm trying to get through as many DMs as I can, but like, it's so hard with masters at the moment. I'm sure after I'll have some downtime to do it, but it's at the moment it's a bit difficult. Yeah. I think this is a good way to answer them. Yeah. So we're just going to be answering a whole range of questions. You know, there's some about masters, masters applications, our experience of masters, yeah, just a whole bunch of things to come. So I think this will be a really helpful episode. Yeah, and there's some questions which we, we might not answer if we've already touched on them in one of the previous episodes and there might be some that we're going to answer in the ones to come. This is actually round two of us trying to answer these. For full transparency. <laughs> yeah, we, we recorded this on Wednesday night. It's currently Sunday morning. And we were not in the space for it. No, we probably shouldn't have forced ourselves to do it because listening back, we just sounded so flat. Yeah. It was a bit of like pre-GYG. We both had a very dark mental status for the week. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think it's on it. It's good to share like the honesty of it, but I think it kind of affected the rest of the episode. So we weren't really happy with it. So this is our attempt to. Yeah. It. I like the transparency. I just don't want it to... Um, I didn't want it to affect the answers we were giving to the actual questions. Mm. And that's the part that I hope that we can get right today. Exactly. Cool. So I guess for our mental status then, do you want to maybe do a recap of that week of, yeah. of how that went? I actually, that's exactly what I was hoping to do. Mm. So my mental status was volatile. And I said that because there were some positive things that happened, mm. but there were these seemingly quite minor negative things, but it just kind of brought to my attention how much of an impact those things can have. How fragile you are. Yeah, and I don't want to go into like a long... Um, Sorry, I don't mean to call you fragile, I mean us. <laughs> yeah, sensitive, sooky. Yeah. I don't want to go into a long thing about this, but I just think something that's very interesting about Masters is because you're at such full capacity the whole time, you don't have much room for error if mm. things start to go wrong. Mm. So you kind of have this feeling of like, oh, I don't want to get sick because I can't afford to. Or so long as your family are okay and your finances are okay and your work is okay, things are fine. Actually, no, things are still hard. When things are still hard. Even but, when all those things are going well. Yeah, but that's when you can just keep your head above the water. Yeah. But the thing is, it just takes the, the most minor little things to start to feel like you're losing that battle. So last week I did just a really small injury at gym that literally put me out for like two days. But yeah, it kind of rattled me. I, I felt instantly my mental health take just a little bit of a hit over those days because in the balance of having a lot of draining things in my life through this course, it was kind of impacting one of the few 
positive sort of energy providing yeah. things that I do. Yeah. So yeah, that was more of a realization. There were other good things. I got a job last week. Woo! Yeah, that was really exciting and it's going to fit my schedule nicely. Yes, you'll get to work from home. Yeah, I can do a bit of hybrid work. Um, so I'm feeling good in retrospect, but I just thought that was a really interesting sort of observation for me and mm. one that we've talked about before. No, I definitely agree with that where, you know, with everything going right, masters is still hard. But as soon as one thing, like even if it's minor, goes wrong, you can just be crushed by it. And I think that brings me back to my mental status of the week where, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of shit things happen in the past few weeks um, and it's impacted my mood in a in a proportionate way, I think. It's not... <laughs> yeah, a reasoned way. Well, yeah, I... It makes sense why I, why I feel so low at the moment um, and very, like, upset majority of the time. And it's just a normal reaction to what I'm going through and what's happening. Um, and I've tried to be very compassionate with myself and I think that's really helped. And I know that it's things that have happened. It's not all because of me. And there are so many external factors. So, yeah, I think being compassionate with not just... Putting all the blame or all the stuff on me is is important. But some also good things that have happened that I just haven't given enough attention to is, yeah, I got a job too, which is nice. Ooh. It was actually a contract that I had before and it got extended, which is really nice. The job you love. Yes. So okay. shall we get into the current episode? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So I'm not going to answer or like talk about the questions in any particular order. I'm just going randomly. So Josh... Is studying psychology difficult? This was asked by Wonderly Mutane. Yeah, absolutely. Studying psychology, there's a lot about it, which I think is hard. There's an adjustment period when you first go and you learn all of the APA formatting and the requirements of studying this. I think you can get to a stage where you start to develop that, but then as with anything, the demands increase. Honours is really hard. Masters takes on its own different form of difficulty, um, you go from having to get these quite academically exceptional grades to to having these extremely busy schedules where you're managing like a whole lot of different activities and scheduling clients and managing supervision and placement requirements and still doing your uni work and making ends meet. So I definitely think studying psychology is difficult. Quick side note, whenever I heard the thing ends meet, I always thought of like mince meat, like ends ends of like mince meat and I just thought it was like mince meat because it's like a, a more affordable type of meat that's what people were referring you to mince the ends that's yeah what that's, what, that's what I thought I was like <laughs> like I just visualized like mince meat and like the ends meeting anyways <laughs> I just have never said that out loud before but that's what I it was only not until like a few years ago like, I'm so glad you verbalized <laughs> anyways I agree. I think it is grossly underestimated how difficult psychology is. So when you're starting, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do four years degree and then I'm going to be out there as a psychologist practicing. No, girl, it takes six years. It takes a lot of hard work, a lot of entry points, very competitive, high grades, lots of experience. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah. Sorry for the kind of dark answer to that. But I think that there is an element of you need to be transparent about that you don't want to go into this if you think it's going to be an easy or like a super well-paid at the end sort of career there's got to be other reasons and motivations for doing it I would say yeah for a lot of people although I think it is fine to do a job because you get paid I don't think there's anything wrong with that 
No, that's what I'm saying. But I don't think psychology is the most well remunerated no, for the years yeah. of study that you do. Yeah, if you want to, like, you're studying for the same amount as a doctor and getting yes. they'd probably paid be, the same as like an OT. Yeah, there'd probably be other nurse. professions that you could do less study in and get paid the same. Yes, or more. The next question is by Tijana Janash. I'm in my first year and I don't know what type of psychology I want to go into. Neither did I, honestly. You just, you don't know until you try it. And so I would just, the thing that I always advise people to do is just follow your interests. So if you're in psych and you find that you're like, oh, I like dev psych a little bit more, or I like clinical psych a little bit more, or like you like certain elements, just follow your interests. You'll try it out. You may or may not like it once you get to that stage, but that's, that's not a waste of time. You've learned that you don't, you do or don't like it. Yeah, I agree 100%. I would also say that you might have to look external to the university to find out those answers. Mm. I know I listened to a lot of podcasts about psychology and found the things that I found interesting and the, the things that I didn't. So, yeah, you, I would I would recommend kind of looking down that route. If you're a reader, a lot of good books out there. And trying to get experience where you can, so working mm. lots of different jobs, which will then make you understand like, okay, do I actually like the client element of psychology or do I prefer the research element? Like in really reflecting on those experiences and seeing what you're happy to go to work every day and do or study, you know? Yeah, so hopefully that answers your question. Remo Moni, Rem, I'm really bad at pronouncing <laughs> stuff, asks, can you talk about the different kinds of master's programs and how they differ? I'm going to leave this one for you because this is... um something you've touched on quite well in your TikTok. Yeah. You know what I actually might do? I think we'll dedicate a whole episode to like different, the different types of psychologists and psychology fields. Yeah. So the different endorsement areas, areas and the master's programs that are associated with that. Yeah. We did release our first episode, which talked about the pathway to psychology and we touch on the different degrees, but I think we'll do more of an in-depth episode because it deserves that, I think. Yeah, and I think that episode was more targeted at the different structures to becoming a psychologist, whereas this is more looking at the different avenues of psychology that you can go down. Yeah. So the clinical, the forensic, the ed dev, the... Counselling, sport, sport. health. Yeah. 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 And I've posted some TikToks on this as well, so you can go follow me at Aussie Psych Student, and it should be in one of the playlists, like the psychology playlist. All right, um, let's move on to another question. Amy Booth asked, how much biology is involved? I remember when we recorded this the first time, we kind of had different answers. Mm-hmm. So I would say that there isn't a heap of biology involved from my experience. Um, you learn a lot about the anatomy of the brain and you learn a bit about perception and how you know we... Uh, process and encode sensory information and things like that particularly during the undergrad I think once you get to the master's level a bit more it becomes more about the in terms of incorporating it into your practice so how does physiological factors potentially impact someone's psychological presentation if they're presenting with some sort of like health anxiety and that could contribute to increased heart rate and blood pressure and that could reinforce their anxiety and stress so that's the sort of thing we work with at this stage. But what about you? Because from what you told me last time, you had a, a bit of a different experience at Monash. Yeah. So at Monash in our first year, there was a lot of like biology, physiology courses that we had to do. And it was essentially a, a review of year 12 biology. So it was just catching up, like if you did it in VCE, bio and 
there was a little bit of chemistry. Yeah, there's a little bit of everything there. And then we did physiology, we did radiology. So we did quite a few very sciencey subjects. And I personally loved it because I loved bio in high school and I found it really easy when I got to university because I had already done the, the like understood the concepts. But a lot of my friends who didn't do biology did struggle a bit, but all of them, you know, put in the work and they got through um even if you don't get in, like get through it the first time, that's fine. Like it doesn't matter. Just keep keep at it if psychology is really what you want to do and just getting past those initial years where you're doing more generalized subjects. Yep, I like that. Michelle asks, how did you balance full-time fourth-year psychology with work and a social life? I can go first because I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was in lockdown, so I couldn't actually socialize um, for those two years, third year and fourth year. I did work though, but... Because, say, I worked at a retail job and there wasn't as much of a human element to it. It was just click and collect. I could just study in the downtime and also I wasn't physically drained by all the social interaction. So, yeah, it was quite easy for me during that time, but that's definitely not relevant now. I guess with Masters, now that I have more of a an actual view on this because I've had to balance yeah. these things, yeah. it's been incredibly hard. It is so tough. And essentially at the moment now, I've cancelled all my social plans. Josh is my only social plan. So the answer to this part as well is how are you doing it? No. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I would say for me, very similar to Yash, I didn't do much work. I did some some of the volunteering at Lifeline, but I was very lucky to be able to live with my parents. So there wasn't as much financial pressure on me. So that's just full transparency that allowed me to go full time. Otherwise, I don't know if I would have been able to. As for social life, I may be a bit of a controversial opinion on this, but I think you can definitely still have a social life and I think it can be beneficial to your Mm. studying. Because for me, once I get to like a Friday night or a Saturday night, I know that time often isn't going to be productive for me. That's just me. Some people are. But I know that it's not going to be. So I may as well use that time socializing and recharging my battery so that I have a little bit of steam the next day because I've done something fun and I've done something social. Mm. We don't really go out anymore, like out, out, like drinking or anything because you just can't like afford the repercussions the next day because we have to get straight into work the next day. That's a really good point because my idea of socializing would have been like a movie night with friends or board games, Mm. going to have dinner but not a lot of drinking. The next, It would wipe out the next day even if I only had a couple of drinks because yeah. I don't know if it's my dopamine, something would be out of whack. Yeah, so maybe you have to change the nature of your socialising to make it more sustainable. That's a really good point. I really like that one. Yeah. So apologies for not having a lot of tips with regard to balancing your work life. I think that that might just be about seeing what your capacity is and trying to find the balance there as well as you can. Yeah. But as for socialising, I think you can do that strategically and understanding that there might be some sacrifices in terms of what you do and hopefully having some people understand that you're going through an extremely difficult year and that that might change i hate that i hate it how you have to choose between all right can i put my financial well-being in a good place and work to save or do i need to get the grades get into honors i hate how people are put in that position yeah sucks it is so so bad but thank you that was really interesting michelle so thank you for the question oh we've got another question from uh (laughs) realistically 
How long does it usually take to get into a master's program of any kind? I would estimate the average be maybe a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I think not many people came straight from their honours. And it's not because they didn't they didn't get in the first time. It's literally because they wanted to go get experience and they wanted to understand, like, is this for me? Is, like, a career in this aligns with my goals and my values? And I think that's, like, a smart thing to do. Yeah, I think, like... I wish I did that. Yeah, I think there is so much to be gained out of doing that. I think in being completely objective and transparent, there are people who get in their first year and then there are people who have a couple of years where they don't get in get and then they might get in on the third. True. Sort of. And remember, there's so many different like pathways. You've got masters by coursework, like the two-year masters programs like with the specific endorsement areas, yeah. but there's also like masters of professional psych, um, where you get like a general registration and like, yeah, they're both amazing kind of pathways. I think maybe the the ones that we're doing, the coursework ones that are endorsed, there's more CSP funding within those, whereas yeah. the other ones don't, which was a huge factor for me, I guess, in choosing. But then you get to work in your final year in the other pathways, so you'll like make up for it in a way. There's pros and cons to both. Yeah, interesting. Give yourself the best chance by applying to a few different programs, get the experience that you need, and then if you don't get in in the first year or two, keep working at it. You know, Find out, get the feedback and the things that you need, and then make sure that you come back the next year with a stronger application, and you'll probably be in a better position for it anyway. So we've got a lot of questions about how to write personal statements, the master's application, interview process, all of that stuff. And I think that deserves its own separate kind of attention. So... Yeah. I think something that we might be considering or might be looking into is how we can help in this space. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, you've been getting a lot of questions. And honestly, even from people I know, you get a lot of questions about how you can write good applications and interview well and give yourself the best chance. Mm. That's not me saying that, you know, we're here going, these are the answers to getting in, but rather how can you present yourself in a Mm. way where you give yourself the best opportunity to get into the program. Yeah, and I think we've done our fair share. Like you've done how many interviews of clinical psych? I interviewed for three. Yeah, interviewed for three and you did another interview for professional No, I interviewed for three programs and then I denied a fourth interview. Oh, right. So, yeah, you've got got your fair share of experience with applications and interviews and and so have I I interviewed for three as well and these are things that I think that I've passed on in a personal context before Mm -hmm. but I think maybe we can pass on on a wider level yeah and so like just gauging people's interest in you know like seminars or or individual kind of yeah one-on-one coaching for interviews for Mm -hmm. psychology specifically Mm -hmm. we could also look into doing a similar sort of thing with regard to applications there is a little asterisk on this and that we do have to sign an NDA about the contents of the interview so we can't mm. I know that a lot of people will be going oh they can tell us the questions, questions. and no. how it goes we can't do that but what we can do is we can go you can expect that they're going to be looking for someone who is xyz mm-hmm. and you've already got this skill so making sure that you can present it in a way that you demonstrate those competencies mm, how to structure your personal statement that kind yeah. of stuff yeah. I think We've, so. Yeah, we've collected a lot of, like, knowledge and, you know, we've put a lot of work into it. So, yeah, I think these are some good avenues in the future to be able to yeah. share that with and we, people. I do think that that is a sort of strength space for us in terms of, you know, we've both got quite 
good experience now at this stage mm. of being students and going through that. Being on the other side. We'll probably still need to iron out the kinks of what that would look like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you have interest in that sort of thing, if you're going through honours or if you just want to get prepared so that when you get to the master's stage, mm. you have the best possible chance of becoming a psychologist, then let us know your interest and we will, yeah, we'll evaluate our options. Yeah. Thanks for those questions, by the way. Got a lot of those. Sarah William asks, how to enhance your writing skills? We did a whole episode on study tips. Um, It was our second episode, right? Yeah, and one of those tips was about increasing your academic vocabulary. Yeah, so I would go ahead and give that podcast a listen because we talk about some things that will inherently help your writing skills. Yeah, getting an external tutor. Yeah. With regard to enhancing your writing skills, I think it's always good to have template to look at with regard to... For example, when I was studying early on, if I was doing a literature review on CBT, which probably wouldn't do at undergrad, but if I was, I would try to find an existing literature review on CBT Hmm. and without getting too close that it's plagiarism, I'd get a bit of an idea for how they've structured it. How have they written? Okay, they've started with this broad introduction and they've funneled towards this specific aspect of it. Yeah. So using that, getting that external help where possible, getting external eyes on your paper just so you get these variety of perspectives Mm. yeah they're kind of the foundational things i know that that's not super exciting in terms of an answer but so i do some individual tutoring at the moment and the biggest thing that students have difficulty with and also i tutor for a university so i see a lot of a lot of assignments coming through high volume and so does josh right yes and a huge thing that we see is people's difficulties with synthesis and conceptualization yeah. and putting it in a, in a structure and a way that makes sense, understanding those broader significance, implications. Yeah, going to that next level. Yeah, like having a thread that runs through your paper and just the way that you're structuring it in a way that, yeah, is just that next step higher. Like it's one thing to just like put everything that you need down. And it, it's such a difficult skill to learn but I always find trying to explain a concept or listening to a TED talk or someone talking about it and then the way that they conceptualize it is the best way for you to then kind of ha- imitate, not imitate, but like apply that structure to your piece. Because at the end of the day, you want it to be easy. You want to take your marker kind of on a journey or, or a story with in a formal way, of course, but have lay the foundations for them so every like piece is just clicking into place as you're reading it through yeah you're basically making it so that the person reading it doesn't have to do any more work than they need to yeah as they're going through it it's as if someone's speaking it to them in a logical and structured way yeah that they can just almost kind of sit and soak up the information yeah and when you get a topic in question in undergrad or even in honors they're going to be very very intentional about the topics they give you where there's probably not a lot of literature that just looks at your topic directly so your job is to break it up into like what are the relationships you can find and then have your own spin of how those components all link together if that makes sense and that's where that synthesis comes from it's like yeah linking all those little things together yeah it's taking, hard to explain without an no, example no, no, i think you're yeah. doing well but like you're taking the constructs within a topic you're looking at the relationships between them perhaps mm. independently mm-hmm. and then synthesizing that towards what is most likely some sort of research gap. Yeah, because I think that's where students fall short is they're like, I can't find any literature on this topic, like there's nothing there. 
break them apart. Look at the, within that broader topic, the little relationships between certain factors and constructs, and yeah. that will form the basis of your writing. And I know that this is a really hard question to answer just verbally. So I would, I would really encourage you to get an external tutor or something where you can put it into practice mm. to take it from that level of reporting to synthesizing information. Because mm-hmm. once you can do that, they're skills that you'll carry over going forward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hopefully that at least points you in the right direction. Mm. Thank you so much for that question, Sarah. So Roshini asks, something related to South Asian mental health. I'll take this one. <laughs> No, no. What do you have to say? What are your thoughts? This I could talk about this for so, so long. Like, just from my experience, mental health is not a thing in South Asian families. Mm. And, I mean, some families are acknowledging it, but it makes makes sense in the context and in the culture. It's like a lot of, for example, immigrants, like I wasn't born here and I moved here when I was young. But it's like you're just working to survive. You don't have the time to even consider mental health. Depressed? Doesn't matter. You still have to go to work because you need to support family back at home and your yeah. and your kids, you know? And so there's this like push to just keep going and keep going and keep going despite all these things that are happening to you. And this is where I think I have so much experience that will be helpful for, for clients in the future. But like with that, navigating the different cultures and what that brings and different expectations. Yeah. And that was the hardest part of my childhood I think Um, especially not having parents that work here and so they're not actually exposed to the culture that closely and so they're still operating under what it was like being in Sri Lanka and that was really difficult to navigate. I think even if you're not South Asian and if you're interested in psychology I think it's a really important area just with any culturally and linguistically diverse clients to to understand that experience because I hope I can talk more about this and I want to do a whole episode on yeah South Asian and Asian mental health and yeah I love that question thank you so much for asking that this is a really nice question the future psychologist at New Zealand or NZ asked about your evolution as a student early study days look so different to me now I think just reflecting on my younger self, especially in honours and third year, that obsession with grades and that inherent attachment to my values and like my value as a person. And now coming out of masters, I'm like that. Grades don't really matter that much in masters. You just kind of yeah. trying and to coast In the grand, grand scheme of things, like now that we are provisional psychologists, you look at that and go like, wow, those grades don't mean all that much. But it was even like, you know, your ATAR, you're like, oh my God, this is everything. It determines the success in my life. And oh my God, like getting good marks in third year and fourth year determines like the success in my life. Yeah, but like what if I don't get a six? What if I don't get a, a distinction or a high distinction? Yeah. But I think I would have been perfectly happy if, like obviously not in the moment, but in retrospect, if I had gone down a different path as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. This isn't the be all end all necessarily. No, it's not. What about you? Uh, maybe I'm answering it from a different perspective. Yeah, but I know what perspective you know. Yeah, I've already touched on this, so I'm not going to go into depth. But Yeah, in which episode? The first episode, I think, or the second episode? I think the study tips one. Study tips. I, I, I've touched on this in one of the episodes about how I somewhat struggled more at school. And I'm not going to necessarily say that that was just having ADHD, but I don't think that that helped. And it meant that I didn't do incredibly well academically despite the fact that I did try extremely hard during school but once I got to university 
I don't know if it was a fact that I am studying something I found interesting, felt more passionate about it, more driven and more identity, but I've done far, far better and I've continued to evolve, I think, and get better. I started to get very interested and passionate about actually how to learn Mm. and how to study effectively. That's became my YouTube recommended for like the last two years of my kind of undergrad and honors. And yeah, I, I've got to a stage now where it's, I guess, evolved one, one more time and gone from being a student to being a practitioner. And it's kind of a different evolution of learning and different evolution of being at university and studying. Mm. So I think that's probably the final stage. And Well, no, because then once I get into the field, I have no doubt that it will continue to evolve in the sense of autonomous learning, mm. you know, deciding when when and where and what I want to study. Do I want to do some professional development? Do I want to do my own research in a mm. certain area? Yeah, it's a lifelong process. Mm. But yeah, thank you. Thank you for that question. All right. I got one from Tasha Martin. Hey, girl. <laughs> we went to like the gym with each other like briefly. How to deal with feelings of incompetence or imposter syndrome, especially on placement? Great question. Yeah, I have that question also. <laughs> yeah look it doesn't really go away <laughs> yeah I think you just learn to live with it yeah I think as a person of color as well you are particularly susceptible to feelings of imposter syndrome e- especially if you're from a low income background right because you you realistically have less time than your counterparts to spend learning psychology and so naturally you might feel as if you know less And a lot of the courses don't even touch on culture and don't even touch on anything that you have expertise in. And so, yeah, you just feel even less competent. Also, you're probably the one of the few people of colour in that room. Yeah, I was going to say, you talked about last time, even just looking around the classroom. Yep. I think there's like two, two, three, yeah. Yeah. Three, yeah, in our full-time courses, which is... Out of a class of like... 30 30 Mm. to 40 yeah so even looking at your staff members and your your teachers and the research that's conducted it is all very eurocentric um so it can be very difficult feeling this imposter syndrome you know i like to just remind myself that even though i'm not the best at assessment i'm not the best at counseling or psychology out there And there's always going to be someone better than me. The fact that I'm here in this classroom and like representing so much is enough, you know? Yeah, I think you've summed it beautifully. I think that is something which over time you get that little bit more evidence that tells you if I look at this truly objectively that, okay, I am helping people and I am helping whether it's clients or people in the experience that you're doing. And I do know a lot and I've come a long way from where I was two or three years ago. So I think that's important to remember. Thank you for that question. It was such a good one. Um, I think I might do two more questions. The lovely Grace. Oh. (laughs) Ask what's missing in the postcard training and general annoyances about the course. It depends what angle you're looking at this from. Some people would say it's missing certain topics and coverage. I think one of the Mm. common ones we hear is trauma. Mm. We want to learn and understand and we hear so much about why trauma informed do it trauma informed yeah it's It's like like, how do we do that (laughs) yeah it does feel a bit like that so i think there's a lot of self-learning that comes self-directed learning 
so that's something which I I I assume is going to change one day, and that there'll be a lot more trauma involved in those programs. And yeah, and I think you could ask this question to everyone in masters, and they would have a different thing that they felt was missing for them. So yeah, I think keep that in mind that if there is anything you're particularly interested or passionate about, you may have to take that learning into your own hands. Hmm. Thanks, Grace. Last question for today because so there are kind of two questions that go hand in hand so um Vashna asks what kind of forms of self-care do you enjoy we've got another one saying uh, from Bhakti saying what do you do to not feel burnt out Kaja asks how to build a consistent routine that helps you keep you sane during studies excellent questions guys <laughs> so what are the three markers we're hitting here self-care routine and balancing Prevention of burnout. Prevention of burnout. Yeah, these these all go very hand in hand. What are your top three things, Josh? My top three for self-care, setting hard boundaries around your work. I think that that for me is something where if you don't end up doing that, the reason that it'll burn you out isn't just that you're doing work later. It's that when you're not doing work later, you kind of always feel guilty as if you could or you should be. So being self-compassionate about the fact that okay, I don't feel like I can get much study done after six or seven tonight and making that work with your schedule. Just because other people are in the clinic late doing work doesn't mean you need to. My tip would be going to the gym. So yeah, I like to go to the gym in the morning and then it makes it easier to wake up in the morning because your body releases cortisol and you're like ready to wake up and go. So for me, the gym and exercise, like even though it feels like something you can give up, it is a non-negotiable. You heard it here first. (laughs) And with that in mind, that makes it a really good starting point for your routine. Every day you start with going to the gym and it kicks your day off and then you kind of got the momentum going forward, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm the same. I go to gym in the mornings and I feel like it just gives me a bit of structure and a bit of frame to be able to go, okay, now I've already ticked that off Mm -hmm. and I can keep going in that direction. We actually covered a lot of this in the study tips episode, so we highly recommend going and listening to that. Do you have anything else to add to that? No, I think that was good. I think we'll definitely do more of these. So, yeah, if you have questions, head to our Instagram and keep an eye out for the question boxes that we post. Mm-hmm. We'll try to keep a tab on the common questions that are coming through the DMs as well. Yeah. Yash just filtering out. <laughs> but yeah, follow us at Mental Status Podcast on Instagram. Um, we'll do another round of this soon. You can follow me on Aussie Psych Student on TikTok where I post videos about my experience. I post day in the lives of a psychology student. So if you want to see like what it actually looks like being a provisional psych or a student in master's, check that out. And one final plug, if you can leave a five-star rating, if you're enjoying this, that would be so, so much... Yeah, so much appreciation for that because it helps us out a lot in terms of algorithms and getting us sort of established as a podcast and being in the early stages and kind of doing this, frankly, quite dingy, sharing one microphone and, you know, editing on free software and things like that. Yeah. I think every little little bit helps. Yes. And so, so, yeah, if you want to collaborate or have any questions, you can email us at mentalstatuspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and also I'm going to post some pictures of our dogs on Instagram. So please head over there and check that out. But yeah, I think that's everything from us today. Yeah, that sounds good. Sounds good. Bye. See you later.